Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona. Every week here on ACB Media One, that's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community. Behind the Music, your song, your story. Premiering this Friday, September 1st at 8 p.m. on the ACB Community. Karaoke enthusiasts Anthony Corona and Tim Cummings invite you to bring your favorite song and your favorite story and share it. Friday night, 8 p.m. Look for the call-in information on your daily schedule. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I am your host, Anthony Corona, and we are here with another fabulous show. As you just heard, uh, we are starting a new call in the Sunday Edition family. It's called Behind the Music, Your Song, Your Story. It premieres Friday night at 8 p.m., as you just heard. So join us with your favorite karaoke song and tell us the story behind it. Uh, the following Wednesday, the Sunday Edition Book Club will be back with a swiftly tilting planet. Look for the notification. It has the DB number in there if you haven't started reading the book yet. It's a great read. Um, and I was tasked to tell you guys about the Ivy Expo that uh, from Artist Basin, but I cannot find my... Yeah, I cannot find, it is in November, and um, if you contact Artist Basin, she can give you all of the details, and next week I will have the announcement up and ready. All right, um, we have a support crew today. Uh, Sheila and Bryn are otherwise engaged, so taking hosting duties is uh, Ray, um, our, one of our... <laughs> One of our officers uh, and an awesome all-around all awesome guy. Hey, Ray, how's your week been? My week has been good. It's uh, I'm finally glad that uh, we had a lot of hot weather here this week, so I'm finally glad it's starting to break and uh, we're getting some uh, more pleasant uh, late summer weather here. So, uh, but other than that, it's been uh, been really good. Been busy. Uh, work's keeping me real busy. So, uh, uh, been great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Connecting us and Broadcasting Clubhouse is Lucy. Lucy will let Ray know if we have any participation from our Clubhouse folks. Hey, hey, out there in Clubhouse land. And streaming for us is the incredible Herbie Allen. Thank you for pinch hitting and literally getting here with like three minutes notice, Herbie. Not a problem. Anytime. You... Uh... <laughs> In winter, spring, summer, fall, all you got to do is call and I'll be there. And Okay, okay. <laughs> 
Well, that, uh, that definitely reminds me of last night. What an another amazing night of karaoke. And um, again, I'm going to plug it one more time. Behind the Music, uh, this Friday night at 8 p.m., you can get that call-in information on your community call schedule. All right. I am very happy to welcome back to Sunday Edition three of my four guests today. Um, Katie Frederick, Lori Scharf, Michael Babcock, and joining uh, for the first time, excuse me, Lynn Schneider. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to be talking employment. So why don't we say hello to Katie and Lori first? Hey, ladies, welcome back. Hi, thanks for having us. So the last time we got together for an employment call, we went through a lot of the resources available through uh, Lori, say it for me correctly. <laughs> APH Connect, right? It's APH the APH Connect, Connect Center. Center. Connect Center. Um, and so I was wondering if you ladies could maybe tag team and go through some of the resources for us. And um, later on, when we open up for questions, folks can ask for more in depth. So give us a brief synopsis of what's there and, and um, then I'll get into some targeted questions. So as of the end of July, we have an all new website and it's APHConnectCenter.org. And uh, previously, many of you may remember that we had different websites for Career Connect, Family Connect and Vision Aware. We are now under all one umbrella and um, on the main page of our website, you will find link uh, links to click on all of those areas still, um, but it's all one website instead of having to go to different websites. So essentially what we did is we, um, it's still the same great information. We just did a little bit of, of rebranding and hope to make it easier for everyone to find not only what they're looking for in terms of specific resources, but looking, you know, being able to see all of our resources in one place. So for example, if you go to the APHConnectCenter.org website, you'll see um, our blog and our blog has all of our, all of our content that we've posted over the past, you know, several years on there. So, um, you know, again, if you're looking for career specific or employment specific resources, you can find those, you can search by, um, categories or tags, or you can also search, um, you know, just look at the blog for a wide array of of content in addition to our articles. So um, again, the impetus behind moving us all to one site is now that we have everything under one place and you don't have to remember who, you know, who is vision aware, who is career connect, all of that. So the connect center um, now has the one-stop shop and um, you can find the information, as Lori said, under the headings on the homepage, there's a heading for um, that's labeled for families. That's, um, again, more of our family-specific content um, for um, job, job seekers and employers um, is the career-specific and then uh, vision-aware. We're still keeping the vision-aware name because it's been around for over a decade and it has that brand recognition behind it. So we don't want to lose that, but vision aware is our adult and professional in the field focused content piece of the section of the website, excuse me. So 
Um, and then we still have some of our our favorites, like our Connects in our calendar, which is a resource for the whole community. So a free resource where you can post events um, up there. So, um, you know, something like your Sunday edition book club, Anthony, could go up there um, or other things. You know, we want it to be a resource for the blind and low vision community. So um, that's that's a way to promote events. Um, we also have um, our blog, as I mentioned earlier. And then um, starting in September, we're going to be starting up some webinars again, Lori, right? Some, some cool yes. stuff with, with careers. <laughs> That's true. Yes. And uh, September 7th, I will be um, discussing with Russell Schaefer from Disability Inn. We, we, will, we will be talking about his career path that he's taken over his uh, career journey to discuss how he's gotten to the position he's in at uh, Disability Inn. And then that's on uh, September 7th. And then September 14th, um, I will be working with Barbara McCleave and we will be working on resume writing. Barbara is has no uh, connection with the blind and low vision community, but um, I know Barbara from my days in New York and she worked with a lot of people post 9-11 getting employment and resume writing and things like that. So we will be focusing on the importance of catching the eye of the person looking at your resume and uh, things to consider in those areas. And that's on September 14th. And all of the career webinars are at 6 p.m. Eastern, and you can go to APH Connect Center and uh, find the link to register for our webinars there. That's awesome. Um, I love the career conversations. So, you know, the last time we spoke on Sunday edition, we talked a lot about the resources on the job seeking side. Um, and at some point, I definitely want to come back with another show and, and really delve into good cover letter writing. Um, as many folks know, I am I am in the job seeking mode um, again. <laughs> And um, I tend to rewrite my cover letter. There's some basics that go into every cover letter that I write, but I tend to write my cover letter based upon the employment, you know, the listing, the posting, job duties. Um, you know, they. I've read a lot of the material out there, you know, use the buzzwords that are in the job posting, things like that. And I've taken that to heart. But um, ladies, do you have some tips on a good, on, you know, good cover letter writing that we can throw out there for now till we come back with an in-depth. I would say keep it short, highlight the important aspects about yourself, tailor it to each specific job that you're um, applying for, as you've already stated, Anthony, and um, really make sure that you don't have those little annoying you know, oh, I hit the space bar three times and didn't catch it type of thing. You know, all those little visual things that that we want to be careful. So, um, you know, really be thorough on how you submit something. Right. And I think just to add to that, you know, what I always think of when I put together cover letters is, you know, your resume is more of the listing of your qualifications. The cover letter is where you can really write more in sentence form of, you know, how you would be a good fit for the new or, you know, for the position you're seeking. So, you know, really relying on those past experiences. Um, I try to look at the job description as well and pick out, you know, keywords of, 
of, you know, good communication or whatever the, the job is requesting um, me to have that I, that I try to match that with my past experience, um, for example. So, you know, kind of implementing that past experience and using um, context from the, the current job description to, to put together that very short narrative. Again, you know, um, I think especially now um, that, you know, we're, we're in a different age and I do think cover letters are still important and still necessary. Um, but again, you know, a couple of paragraphs is really what you want. You don't want to write. Um, this is not a paper. It's just more of a, you know, a couple of paragraphs really explaining to the employer why they should hire you or would want to hire you. I remember back in the day, I was told um, your res your resume should never go beyond a page. If if the person has to flip to a second page, you've already lost them. Um, is that still something that's that's um, felt out there in the in the employee in the employer side of things? Are they yes. looking for standard one page resumes, or if you have a wealth of experience, do they care if your resume? you know, goes onto that second page. Well, the things about resumes, resumes have really changed. Um, you really, now, if you have advanced education, if you have a master's degree, there's no need to put that you have a high school diploma, things like that. Um, you know, so they don't care that you graduated 20 years ago. They care that you have a master's degree. And, you know, that's really all you need to put or a bachelor's degree, whatever you have. Um, that's you know, really all you need to put, unless it specifically requests in the, um, in the uh, posting for the job posting. Um, you know, it, it, there also are professions such as in academics, um, you know, different types of fields have different formats of resumes. But I would say as a whole, the shorter and more direct a resume, the better. Um, the The most that a person is going to look at is one page. And if it's longer than that, and they really like you for some reason, they may put it on the side and come back to it. But if you don't catch them in that one page, they're not going to read that second page. Yeah, that's that's what I was taught many, many moons ago. And and I know in the experiences that I had hiring, um, same thing, I, you know, flipping through, whether it be a electronic format or actually back in the day with paper, you know, I wanted the bullet points. I wanted the highlights. What, you know, what is on that paper that is matching what I need in this position I'm looking for. Um, so switching gears a little bit. We spoke a lot last time about the resources available to job seekers, and you had mentioned um, that there are employers that are using the website as well. And so that was part of why I wanted you guys to come back. What, um, what are employers coming to um, APH Connect Center for? We actually are in the process of uh, developing a couple of different things related to employers uh, we have not finished those yet um so um we will be releasing probably by late fall a guide for both employers and employees um either new to vision loss so uh, somebody who may have had 
be fully sighted or had vision changes and become legally blind. Um, and in that guide, we will also have a section for employers. Um, we do have some resources for employers currently on our website, um, but we also will be updating those uh, because of our website migration. There were some things that we did not get to edit until after we moved. So I will be working on that in the future. And how about for the folks that have gotten have gotten their offer? They haven't started work yet, but they've gotten the offer. They're going to go into the office or or the location. The you know maybe even working from home. Do you have new you know new position um, toolkits, or is there a section uh, for folks that are about to begin work? We do have the uh, Job Seekers Toolkit, which is in partnership with Insight, and that's a five lesson course. And in that we do have a section on getting a job and, you know, kind of, you know, what to expect at the beginning, that type of thing. So people um, can go and review that. I can, I may have sent you that. I don't remember Anthony to put in the show notes, but if I didn't, I will uh, okay. send the link to that. Um, and you can also find it off of our webpage. It um, so it's it's five sections, but you don't necessarily have to do them concurrent um, and that we also are in the process of updating um, and that probably won't happen until later this year, early next year. And it initially was geared to young adults and we're expanding it to make it more applicable to everybody who may be changing jobs, moving jobs, that type of thing. And also the modernization of different aspects of it. And then so as one you, thing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, one thing that we're doing um, for the month of October is going to be putting up a post about. Um, so for um, on our blog, we have some some volunteer writers who help us um, create content, and we're very grateful for them. Um, some of them are members of ACB, and and. Um, just have a lot of great folks who help us create some of our content for the site. And so um, one of those posts um, that we're going to be putting up in October is a, uh, a peer is sharing her experience with remote work. And she is someone who has, um, she's, you know, low vision. She has um, been a, a freelance writer and, and decided to um, apply for a position in a, in a, um, call center that was remote. And um, after about a month of that said, this is not the right fit for me. And so she's going to kind of share that, um, that part of it and, and more of the, um, you know, focusing on the remote work aspect, but also, you know, for her personally, it was kind of more of a thing of, oh, you know, I'm more, I'm more extroverted. I need to be around people. Um, you know, that was a big thing for her of just not having that, you know, personal daily contact being able to walk down to someone's desk and, you know, say good morning or those kind of things. So just some, some considerations to think about if you're, you know, remote, remote work sounds great. And I personally love it, <laughs> um, but it, it is not for everyone. And I think that's something to keep in mind when you're looking at, you know, exploring careers and, and different options out there now. And, and especially as, as the working world is kind of I think still shifting and changing and tilting and finding its place after COVID. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, some jobs are hybrid, some are remote. Um, just, so just knowing 
what you know what possibilities might be out there for you as you're looking at job search uh, job searches and opportunities and what do you consider to be the best of the online job search engines where do you direct folks to go i always say all of them because the more you get your information out there the more likely somebody is to see your information and connect with you um so it's it's more about getting your information out there you know are you in a profession that has a job board specific to that profession make sure you go to wherever those postings are um you know definitely look at things like um, you know, the all the mainstream job postings, you know, frequently people will say, oh, well, does APH have a job posting? No. Why should we have a job posting specific to blind people? There are companies that do that, um, you know, and you can definitely go to those places and put your resume out there. But, you know, in my opinion, it's more about you selling yourself. It, it, um, it's more about you making yourself sellable to an employer, no matter where they have their job postings. Katie, anything think, further to add? Yeah, I think job. too, um, you know, LinkedIn is one that I would mm -hmm. highlight only because of its, not only its job search um, features, but also the networking. And I, I really... I can't stress enough the the value of networking and, you know, maybe you don't think you've, you know, done a lot, but if you're part of the ACB community, you can connect with other people who may be on that on LinkedIn as well. And my point with that is that, you know, you never know who can help you get a position or who you might know at company X that can help you get your foot in that door. And I've, I've experienced this myself and seen it work for others as well. It's just, it's a lot of times it's, it's who, you know, and it's building that community, it's building that network. And as Lori said, yes, there are a lot of good sites out there, but LinkedIn is one that I like because of that ability to build your network, look at people's profiles, um, you know, and really make those, make those connections. And um, that can really lead to some, some pretty cool opportunities. So and it's also if, for a way, oh, I'm sorry, Katie, go ahead. No, I mean, if you're if, if, if you're not on LinkedIn, I would suggest checking that out, if you, especially if you're, you know, in that job market and really, um, really wanting to um, see what else might be out there. Now, see, I agree with you on LinkedIn. Um, full disclosure, I am currently locked out of my LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> and I and I saw a posting, um, David Goldfield, if you are not on his list, puts out incredible information on a daily yes. basis. Um, and I have hit, I have that bookmark so I can go back and figure out, um, you know, if there's anything in there that will help me, I've got to submit ID and things to get back into my LinkedIn. Um, but one thing that I do suggest to folks when I am in this kind of a conversation is with LinkedIn, you really need to sit down for a while, um, and pre, you know, kind of pre-write your sections, um, and get it ready because it is a clunky accessibility, you know, accessibility wise, it is a clunky website to use, especially in the initial setting up stages. Um, but once you get on and get networked, you know, I could click on Lori and it will start showing me for, you know, people we have in common, um, you know, do I want to go and look at their profile? 
um, and my job seeking before I got locked out of LinkedIn. Um, I have messaged people in fields that, you know, in companies or fields that I am, you know, applying to, to get a, a you know, a feel for what the company is like or, or specific questions about a certain position, uh, you know, and there is tons and tons of job seeking um information you know in linkedin you just kind of have to surf around so katie i absolutely agree with you linkedin is is a great site once you get used to using it also um quickly oh sorry Lori. i i was just gonna say also i don't have a linkedin profile just because i haven't done it yet apparently there's somebody with my name on there because i get emails that tell me people are looking for me um but anyway there are some really good tutorials out there um, so if you just like Google, I know Insight did a training on it, uh, on you, uh, developing a LinkedIn profile and stuff um, oh, about a year ago, and it was very well done and very well attended. Yeah, and so just as you know, from an accessibility oh, perspective, too, quickly on the on the iPhone, it's not too bad. Um, it's a little bit better. But of course, you know, these things change. So by the time I say this, it may be out of date, but um <laughs> It is pretty user-friendly on the iPhone, um, I found in my experience. So that's a little bit easier for me than the than the PC side of things. Um, so I think it just depends on, you know, what, what you're comfortable with. Um, and also, um, you know, look, I know that, um, again, I haven't used it in a while, but I know that Ira was doing some work um, free, you know, having some free minutes available to help with things related to job searching. So looking over resumes and cover letters and possibly helping with some of that LinkedIn kind of thing is something that they might be able to help you with as well. So just might be another, another tool in the toolbox and we can never have enough of those. So. Yes, they still do have, uh, I don't know what the, the details are. I did change a little bit, but they still do have the job seeking minutes. Uh, and I have, I have that, I have used them to, um, you know, check the formatting and, and, um, the look of my resume and cover letter before I send it out. Um, I'm, I'm anal. <laughs> I'm an anal retentive person. I want a set of, of eyes looking at my documentation before I send it out. Um, because that's, that's the first impression. And, you know, we all deal with our, with our blindness differently. Um, but I personally want to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Like Lori said, you know, the, the triple spacing, or I once was told that my font size changed midway through my, yeah. my cover letter. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how I did it, how it happened. Right. Um, and you know, reading as it was being read to me using, um, voiceover on the Mac, it, I did not hear anything that said, you know, font change or anything. So I would have sent that off and it would have looked unprofessional. Um, ladies, as you know, we collect questions via the Sunday edition AC at gmail.com uh, email address. There were a few that came in um, and there were there's one question that came in in multiple ways. And, and basically, is it appropriate after you have sent in a resume and a cover letter to contact that person who has posted the job? And if so, how long should you wait? Um, if you haven't heard anything from them. You know, this is a tough one because it, my typical answer is only if you have a rapport. So 
if you have a rapport with somebody or you met somebody and they said to you, oh, Mary, submit your resume. We have this great job opening. I think you'd be perfect for it. Then you can follow up. Recruiters really honestly do not have time to just say, yes, I got your resume. And frequently in job postings, it will say, you know, uh, no phone calls or, um, you know, we do not acknowledge receipt of of material, yeah. things like that. So so it is you don't want to be viewed as being a bother. Um, but if you do have a rapport with somebody, that's very different. And that's why it can be important to go to either online or virtual job fairs. That's a way to make a connection. That's a great idea. Another question that we got was... Did uh, I in... say online or virtual? I meant online or in person. In person. <laughs> I, I, you said that, but it didn't even occur to me until you came. I'm like, oh, Until yeah. you said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Another question that we got was about when there is the ask for salary range, rather than mm -hmm. it being posted in the mm -hmm. job, when they're asking you what salary are you expecting? Um, I know that there are websites out there, I've used them myself to, to kind of look at industry standards, what uh, mm -hmm. certain positions are making. Um, are there any other tips that you can give us on, you know, creating that answer for, for our, our listeners? Well, you know, you don't want to be astronomical in what you're asking for and have them say, oh, well, you know, um, I actually, outside of APH, do some work and I have a client who's a lawyer and she doesn't want anything below $120,000 a year. She's had a 10-year gap in her work history. Well, that's a little unrealistic because while, yes, she has a law degree, she actually has a JD, she has not had paid work in all of that time. So an employer kind of sees that as, well, I'm not going to fork over money and at over $120,000. I, I would consider her for something lower paying. And if you go too high, they're not going to consider you. So you need to know what your market is for uh, salary, you know, for, for your geographic market and for the market that you're looking to work within. And a follow up to that, um, when you have had positions, you know, in the past that may be of a higher salary range than the position you may be wanting at, you know, at the moment, Mm -hmm. What kind of conversation do you would you suggest having about that with the employer? So I can speak to that because I actually had some personal experience with that. Um, I at the time was applying for a position, and the employer came to me and said, "We'll offer you this." And I said, "Well, at my current job, um, you know, in order for me to leave my current job and come to you, I need this because um, I cannot, you know, I, I cannot afford." to take what you're offering. So, you know, would, would your company be willing to consider this, um, you know, based, based on my experiences and qualifications for this position and the company came back and, and they did. Um, I was also giving up some things. I was giving up some, some benefits and things like that that were provided to me previously. So I, I, um, 
you know, got a little bit to match that somehow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to, I had to kind of weigh that and say, you know, but I did, I mean, I hadn't had that conversation before. And so I was really nervous about, oh, but if I, if I asked for this and, and a friend was like, no, you know, you're, you're worth, you know, you're making this now. And if you factor in benefits, it's technically this much. So you're still taking a cut and pay, but if you really, you know, and it, it worked out, but, but, you know, I think you do have to look because benefits, they are worth a lot when you, yes. when you actually, you know, how much is that health insurance and that retirement and all of those things. So if you're going to a position where those are not part of the package, you do need to take that into consideration when looking at salary. Yeah. And I mean, people that might be on social security disability or SSI, you know, you need to think about, okay, well, you know, they're offering me X amount of money, but there's nothing wrong with saying how much is your monthly premium for health insurance and what are your Mm -hmm. co-pays like, because those are things that need to be considered as well. Mm -hmm. And that Lori actually is a question I was, I was working my way towards, but I'll say, I'll ask it now. Um, Are there tools out there to help you calculate you know, what you're spending on your health insurance, what, you know, what all your benefit um, dollar, you know, amounts are based upon whatever salary you may be taking and whether or not it's actually a better salary. Because sometimes you find yourself, you know, with a dollar amount, and you're like, oh, this is great, but there's a lot less offered to you through the, the new company. And so the salary difference actually ends up, you're making less money or or let me rephrase that you are you you know your finished end product of dollars is less because you are paying out more towards health insurance um you know child care transportation so are there tools out there to help you calculate like what you're really spending and whether or not a salary would work for you I, with regards to like social security benefits, that's where benefits counseling from a certified work incentive practitioner would come in. Um, Regarding other areas, that's where I kind of would look at things like, um, you know, different websites that are out there where they share information about working for a particular company, things like that. You can often glean from there, you know, the satisfaction of, of employees and things like that. Um, with regards to their their uh, salary worth and things like that. Um, you know, so I don't know of anything specific out there that can assist with calculating, uh, but they're, they may be out there and I just don't know it. There are some, you know, like you can type in your, your salary and kind of location. I can't think of anything on, on specific right now, but I've used them before. They are just estimates and, you know, um, it can kind of give you an idea of what you may be bringing home um, when it comes to salary, but it's, it is a little tricky. You know, I would say use those with a grain of salt. Um, and I think to the point about the, the, you know, salary and things, that's where, you know, again, going back to LinkedIn and using that networking, you know, if you happen to know someone at that company and really know them, you know, really feel comfortable reaching out to them, um, you could maybe ask, you know, um, about, you know, what would you say, you know, um, you're, you know, you're taking out for things like that, or, or again, you know, that's something to maybe ask, um, in terms of some of the more generic things like the health insurance, or, you know, does the company offer retirement matching and things like that? Um, those are, you know, those would be appropriate questions to ask in an interview. 
I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, I was in a conversation the other day about today's program, and we veered off on topics, as I'm known to do. But um, at one point, we were talking about work-life balance and changing careers and things. Um, do you have any tips on having that kind of conversation in interviews? You know, when you, when you are approaching um, a, a completely different kind of career path, how do you suggest people... Um, present that and is work-life balance you know like a no-no to say in an interview it kind of depends on the position it's nothing to be ashamed of saying i would be careful as to how you say it is there um are there any uh toolkits out there that you've seen that maybe discuss that um, not recently. <laughs> I, I do know, I will say I've seen on some postings that, you know, some jobs will say like we give so much for work, you know, um, I forget what they call them, like, you know, um, holidays to use or, you know, giving back to the community kind of things to promote work-life balance or, you know, I think, I think it is becoming more of a, um, reality in our in our society in our culture and i think that's a good thing um i'm i'm not aware of any you know toolkit type of things either i guess i guess i would say you know think about the the position yourself and and what you're um you know wanting to to get out of it and what the position is i mean again if it's if it's something that's you know maybe a bit more you know, um, working in a call center, for example, you might, you're going to probably have more focused hours than more set hours, more of a set schedule than if you're helping create, you know, content for something, it's, it's a little bit different or, you know, I mean, for, you know, I know, you know, for the, some of the work that, that we do in the connect center, you know, our, our days are, you know, no day is, too much the same, uh, at least for me. Nope. And I'm, you know, I'm sure for Lori too, because each, you know, each day we're interacting with new content or different content. We might have a webinar in the evening. We might have a Sunday edition show on the weekend, et cetera. So, you know, we're kind of flexing and, and adjusting as we need to, and we have the ability to do that. And that's, that's a great position to be in. Um, so I think, again, it really does put, uh, depend on the position and the, the work that is that is being performed and and you know some of these conversations are ones that you might have maybe not in the interview process per se but you might have with perhaps your initial man your um direct manager or because again there you know there are there are company policies which need to be followed but then there are also manager expectations and those can be some some different things and that's that is not a bad thing but it's just making sure that you as the um, worker in the organization know what you need to do and when you need to get it done and yeah. how that all aligns. A, a lot yeah. of times it's, it's more about like knowing when it's appropriate to ask for things. And, you know, say you foster dogs, you'd pick up a foster dog once a month from an animal shelter on a Friday afternoon and you want to leave at four o'clock instead of five o'clock. That's not something you say in an interview. You once you have the job offer, that's mm -hmm. kind of when you could explore that. And maybe the company has paid volunteer time or or something like that. 
Yeah, you know, something else um, about two, two and a half years ago, somebody had suggested to me to, you know, try to network on LinkedIn um, with with people that are in the, you know, the profession that I'm, you know, I'm looking for communications, marketing, that kind of, um, to start networking there. And if I do build relationships to, you know, do some practice interviewing and some, you know, some practice negotiating mm-hmm. conversations, after, you know, if you are given that, um, you know, that ask, uh, you know, then you can actually negotiate, you know, your, your what your work responsibilities, et cetera, are going to be. Um, and, and I actually found that valuable. I had been in the same position for 10 and a half years. Um, you know, I had gone on a couple of interviews throughout the years to kind of see what I was worth and, you know, what it was like to go out on interviews, but never really took them seriously. So I never studied or, or did anything other than showing up and talking about me. Um, but I did find it valuable to, I found two people that I really, I still have relationships now. Um, but we, we did a couple of sessions where we, you know, the three of us sat in a zoom room and did mock interviews, mock conversations, um, you know, looked at some of my, for me, I have to submit writing samples. Um, so we looked at a lot of my writing to figure out what were, you know, what were appropriate for what type types of companies, things like that. So those are other things in the networking space that can really be valuable, you know, talking to people that are in the, the kind the job that you want and, and getting gleaning information it'll most definitely help you in the interview process. You know, the more you know, the better, you know, you sound. The, you know, especially for those that are coming out of school and and are on targeted career paths. They want a specific position, type of position with a specific type of company, network with those people and and start conversations. And I but, think too, just the more, um, sorry, do you have more to? No, go ahead. Uh, I, I think too along those lines, and I think they're the again networking, informational interviewing, which is kind of what you just described, Anthony, of sitting down and talking to people in that in that position. And you know, it's something that when I was looking for work as a college student, you know, in part of vocational rehab, I had to do you know x amount of informational interviews where I talked to people in the field and and said, you know, what is a typical day like for you, kind of things. Um, those are all really good suggestions, um, but also the more that you that you just practice, you know, practice having those interviews, practice with with a friend, with a family member, someone who, um, you know, can also give you that that feedback. Because the more that you practice, the also the more confident you will sound um, when you're actually in the interview. So just like, you know, just like any any other skill or, you know, anything else that you're doing, the more that you practice it, the better um, and more confident you'll you'll sound and and be when you're actually doing it it allows you to polish what you're saying in the correct lingo for that particular field that you're in Mm -hmm. and you know you want to you know when you're doing interview rehearsals you want to do it with somebody either that's in the field and can help you correct your language maybe but you also want to do it with somebody that may not be in the field because you may mean may be meeting with somebody in human resources that knows nothing about some sort of scientific thing that you're working on. Um, So you also want to be able to present at their level. That's a great tip too. Wouldn't have thought of that. 
Um, so let's let's shift focus again. Um, you know, and the title of today's program, it's AI in job seeking. And my first and immediate thought is the bane of my existence. And it's, you know, the assessment tests that that mm-hmm. go with a lot of applications out there. Um, that's, you know, that's my the first thought that I have when I think of AI and job seeking. Um, and there were a couple of questions that came in through the Sunday edition email about those assessment tests and trying to navigate them the best. So first and foremost, do you guys have any toolkits or any, you know, any spaces on the website with advice on getting through them, planning for taking them, that kind of thing? We do not. And, um, partly because we just haven't, but also it's there's such a variation in what you will see in those tests. I will tell you that a lot of them are not very screen reader friendly um, because very often you're matching something in the left column to something in the right column and you have to be able to drag a mouse or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, Also, you know, as we all do, with a screen reader, sometimes you're busy figuring out the best way to navigate a specific website. So as you're doing these types of things, it's um, time is ticking away, so to speak. But that may be something where you might use Ira to assist you in those type of situations, um, you know, but I am going to make a note because I think it's a great topic for a blog or an article. And it's also something we should put in some other material that we're working on. So I think this is a good time to bring Michael and Lynn up. Michael Babcock and Lynn Schneider, welcome to Sunday Edition. Thanks for having us, Anthony. Thank you so much. This is a pleasure. So, uh, you know, we I started off the AI portion of this conversation with the assessment tests, which are the bane of, of a lot of our existences. Um, often I will find myself on page 30 something and I cannot find the, the button, the form, you know, the, the next to get to. And it's like, I just wasted 45 minutes because by the time I get this fit, by the time I get this, you know, fixed or find out what my workaround is, I'm going to have to go back and start over. Um, another thing that, that, um, we've been told a lot is that AI is being used to screen cover letters and resumes. So I was hoping that you could give us some information about how that works and possibly how we can maximize, um, making sure that AI is picking us up out of the crowd. Yes. This is Lynn. Okay. Go ahead, Michael. I'll just make it real quick. And then I'm going to hand it over to Lynn because she has a lot more insight on the AI aspect than I do. Um, I'm kind of looking at AI the opposite. And I I really like how you guys went into a brief discussion of cover letters and resumes in the past. And I think what, what we as consumers and individuals seeking out employment need to explore is the same thing that the job market or the employer or recruiters have been using for years. And the Recruiters and and employers um, have been using AI to weed out the uh, people who they they seem don't fit for the position. And Anthony brought up a good point. When he's writing his cover letter, he'll grab keywords about important pertinent information that are from the job posting. What I've 
found myself doing and and I'm pretty happy in the position that I'm in right now as a customer service uh cust- manager of customer experience uh with AT guys and that's been fun but I'm always on the market and always looking for different opportunities because I think that's how people grow and get better and what I found myself doing because I'm I'm half-heartedly doing it. I'm not fully involved because I am luckily employed and I I have that to fall back on is I'll grab a job posting and I'll work with some of these AI tools and say, hey, help me write a cover letter that emphasizes these skills or help me rewrite my resume. So I'm using AI to to kind of work against AI and uh, build my profile based on what I think that they're going to like. Uh, Lynn, go ahead and take it from there. Sure. And um, a lot of, um, you know, it's funny, we've been talking about a lot about acquiring the job, getting the job that you want. But sometimes the first place to start is to figure out what you want. And that's not always, you know, a lot of times people aren't sure what they what they really want to do. And this is where I really think that the chatbots come in handy. And chatbots are a way that you can interact with um, an, an AI system. Basically, it's an interface that will help you um, send information to the chat, the um, AI system that has tons and tons of data and can really search across a lot of different websites and bring back information that is specific to what you're actually looking for. My favorite chat um, interface right now is on Bing. That is my favorite one right now. And it has a chat bot that you can write. Basically, it's we talk about prompting. I know we're going to probably talk a lot about prompting because when you're using AI systems like, for example, Bing or Google Bard or um, ChatGPT, which you probably have heard about, um, these are systems where you are the way that you interact with these systems is through prompting. So, right. for example, um, you might say, "I." I'm not sure, you know, what I want to do. Um, here are my, here is my work experience. These chat bots, they can actually put together a resume for you, a cover letter. And it's, if the more information you give the, in your prompts, the better the output is going to be. Um, I think that What's important is, and I think this is my take-home message, is we need to not be afraid of AI. Uh, I know that AI gets a lot of bad press, but it can be an awesome tool for us. And I like to think of it as an idea exploration platform. Oh, I like that. Okay, yeah, that's right. And so you're going to bounce ideas off of these systems. You might say, um, well, it will it will help you do things like write resumes, but it will also do interview practice with you. So, for example, you could say, I you can even show um, upload the position that you're interested in, 
and say, help me, help me um, practice interviewing for, for a job in this particular field. And what I like about Bing particularly is that Bing will search the web. It will go out and it will try to, I think when you think about like chat GPT, its limitation is that it doesn't search the web. So it's sort of, it it was trained until what, uh, 2021 or something. So if you want up-to-date information, you really want a chat bot that will search the web. And Bing will do that. Um, Yeah, that brings me to my favorite part about Bing is your references are listed right there on the chatbot page. So you can go down or cross swipe, whatever, um, and figure out where it's taking, where it pulled its information that it's giving you. And you can then make that determination and or click on and find more. Um, but most importantly, right. make that determination on whether it's current information, whether it's true information, and whether they targeted it. You know, I'm going to use a very basic example. You know, I give them a, a target <laughs> um, mm-hmm. job posting, and they start giving me information about um, Walmart. Obviously, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to rely on that information. I want to go back and, and find the target information. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about uh, Bing, because it's all right there. And you know where the answers are coming from. Right. Yeah, it, it does. It, and it, what it'll do is generate summaries for you. So in the typical way that we used to use a search engine, uh, we would type in keywords, right? And it would come back with a whole bunch of different links. The nice thing about the chatbots, being in particular, is that it will generate a summary of the information in all of those websites so that it's going to save you a lot of time. But of course, I always tell people fact check. You need to fact check your uh, anything that comes out of AI systems, particularly chat GPT, because we know that sometimes chat GPT will just make things up. <laughs> um, but Bing will show you where it got its information. And I think that is great. But talking about prompting again, some of the prompts you might use would be, uh, I'm interested in a position in X, you know, um, you know, I want to be a teacher, for example. I want to teach craft, arts and crafts, or I want to teach music. And what is what are the career prospects for music teachers? Um, and here's my experience. Can you help me generate a resume or a cover letter? Um, what are the pros and cons of a certain career path? Um, you know, and of course it's going to, it's going to look this stuff up on the, on the web and it's going to come back with sources for you so that you can double check, um, so, yeah, there's just, I guess what, what I would say is I think it's important for us to be familiar with these systems and not be afraid of them, okay, um, because they can be invaluable in, like, even the, the interviewing, the interview tips, all of these things, you know, are just things that just 
they're like tools in a toolbox. And um, yeah. one more thing I would say is that the there's a mythology out there that you can just put something into an AI system and hit a button and it's done. That is not the case. You have no. to... You have to tweak and play with it. Yeah, Yeah. you. It it is the artificial intelligence. You are the real intelligence. Okay, so you do need to do your part. But I think sometimes AI helps me to think outside of the box. It helps me to think in ways that I didn't really even think before. Um, You know, let's circle this back around. You know, I know that there's a lot of conversation in the education space on being able to spot, so to speak, you know, um, AI generated material. Mm-hmm. Are we there yet with employers? Michael, I, I like what you said before, and, and that's somewhere that I wanted to go with this conversation, sort of about cheating, cheating the bot, you know, the by turning it back on them. Um, so do we think that employers are going to be able to spot you know, chat, uh, you know, bot generated, uh, artificial intelligence generated cover letters and resumes and things. Um, and how can we maximize getting the job posting description into our own lexicon of language by using artificial intelligence? I, I think the answer is yes. Um, yes, employers are going to get to the point where they're going to be able to easily determine, hey, this was generated by ChatGPT. I get spam email all day long, just like anyone else of, of you. Um, and I'm if you've ever looked at the spam email, you may have noticed, huh, this is starting to look a little bit more like someone actually sent it. And then you'll mm-hmm. start to notice patterns. And the reason uh-huh. that is, is because uh, there are tools out there that can tie into uh, large language models that will allow people to generate a spam message. Now we're not getting the the traditional spam message that we used to get in the late 90s. I won't go into now, but I know everyone knows what we're talking about it's it's a wider variety of types of different spam messages and i think that's what systems more importantly than employers specifically are going to start looking out for is does this look like something that could have been generated by a bot or by someone using a large language model and if so let's flag it and not even bother the hiring manager with this information so i think Mm -hmm. the first goal is to get past that aspect of being able to get your information out there. And that comes back to what Lim was talking about. This is artificial intelligence, or as I've I've often called it, augmented intelligence, which means you as the human need to come in and put your human touch into what you are doing. Um, Anthony brought up a point earlier in the show talking about how he had a font change halfway through his letter. And I suspect, I don't think he said it, and if he did, I apologize if I missed it, but I suspect he had someone proofread his uh, his cover letter, yeah. and that's how that was picked up. A lot of times when I'm sending customer emails, I will drop those customer emails, minusing any PII, personally identifying information, uh, from the email and drop it into ChatGPT. And I'll say either rewrite this in a professional but uh, not formal tone and tell it to give it that tone. And then it'll give me information back. So I will change it up and make it 
fit what we're trying to say in that message and then send it off. No, it's not 100% my words, but it has my touch to it and what I've added to it. And I think that's what's important for, for applicants to realize is ChatGPT or other tools similar to that can be able to help you with augmenting your cover letter or augmenting your, your resume. But it also can be used to proof your information. But as I think you'll hear several times today, don't just take what it gives you and send it in because these yes. are smart chatbots and they are going to flag each other because they're going to learn, hey, this looks like something my brother made, even though chatbots mm -hmm. aren't brothers. You know what I mean? So, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so let me ask you this. If I took a job posting and fed it to um, Ding and then said, here's my resume, are, could I ask it to say, you know, where are their keywords um, replaced keywords that would, you know, flag a chat, you know, flag a, a resume scanning program? I, I don't know what they're called, but, you know, can I, could I get the AI to, you know, to say, okay, instead of um, profit and loss, you should use this or, you know, and, and, um, uh, maximize right. my resume before I even send it in. I've never tried that before, but I would say we back to prompting again. You can try any kind of prompt you want. I mean, you never sort of know what you're going to get back, but um, I, I would say that's what I mean about like sort of an idea playground, sort of a, a um, a place where you can just try different things and see what kind of result you get. And the more information that you give the, the chat bot, the better the output's going to be. Um, the more information. Yeah. Proof you it know? though. And I hate to interrupt you here, Lynn, but I wanted sure. to, to jump in here because I did just that, Anthony. I took a job description. I took my current resume and I said, help me rewrite this resume because uh, it's it's important to to customize your resume and cover letter for the position that you're applying for. And I mm -hmm. told it, do that for me. It made up positions. And I think that's important for us to be aware of is a lot of times this. this wait, 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 hold it, on. It made up positions that you supposedly worked yes. at. Yes. On your. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Cause apparently I worked for Disney and I'm like, I've never worked for Disney <laughs> doing podcast editing. Oh my gosh. And I, that wasn't even in any relation to the job position itself. Uh, Disney wasn't even a keyword. So I think that, that going back to the proofing, I can't stress that enough. We can use these tools all day long, but we need to proof the content that it's providing because if we don't, you might get some awkward questions in that first interview. Mm -hmm. Now, which system were you using for that? Was that GPT? That was GPT. Yeah, I, I that's yeah. what I would have guessed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, Chat GPT is good if you want. If you, how do I say this? Um, if you want personal conversation with information attached, is how I would put it. Yeah. Um. But I think again, the nice thing about Bing and and I haven't well, I haven't used Google Bard much, but. Uh, there's another one called Claude AI, which is also an, a good one. Um, but it, the nice thing about Bing is, is again, it will, it doesn't seem to hallucinate. You'll hear the, the people talk about the term hallucinate, yeah. hallucination. And what that means is it's just making up stuff. And 
of course, that um, recently got a lawyer in big trouble because he he used um, chat GPT to write a legal brief and it made up all sorts of sources and stuff the cases that never existed <laughs> and he got into some big trouble. So yes, the proofreading is very important. Um, but a lot of times what, what AI can do is it can help you think about things in a different way. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really good at selling myself. Um, because I, I, sort of don't think sometimes that the experience I have is worthwhile. But when I give that experience to Bing Chat, it will write me a letter, a cover letter or a, um, you know, a resume that makes me sound like I'm, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And it's all true. It's just that I'm not so great at making i'm not you know good at sort of um selling myself <laughs> um so then for you lynn you would probably take that resume to someone that you trust and go through mock interviewing so that you can be comfortable with how the resume is presenting you or uh, really match what you have inside you to what the chat is presenting about you in a yes. fluid manner so that you have that great conversation when it comes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it is amazing. Like not all of us are good at selling ourselves. You know, a lot of people have, um, I, I remember an interview with Ted Henter, who um, was one of the founders of, you know, Henter Joyce, which is now freedom scientific or whatever it is now. I forget, but um Vespero. Um, but but the thing is, is that he um, Ted Henter said, you know, there are so many blind people out there that have so much experience. They're so bright and they have so much and they don't necessarily know how to sell themselves. Um, and that is true. It's not, you know, so sometimes talking with the chat bot can help you. It can help you put your own experience into words. Um, in a way that you might not have considered. Mm. Um, Let's go off on a tangent for a second. Um, mm -hmm. Can the can the chat bots give you a good estimation of what kind of assistive technology you might need once you do secure a position, and or you know can it help you maximize how to get up and running in the job well? You know, it, it, with a great mm -hmm. starting foot, so to speak. I think that's a very interesting question. I think that when it comes to blindness things, um, even Bing is not so great. So I think we do need to start using these chatbots and sort of training them a little bit on assistive tech and things like that. Um, so I would say that, again, it's a matter of trial and error um, but yeah, can I you think get the, can you get the chat box to search social media for you? Find me posts that relate to blah, blah, blah from let's say Mastodon or Facebook or, right. or, um, you know, X formerly known as. I didn't, I did something. I, I had an interview with someone and I had their website 
And what I did is I said, um, I asked Bing, I said, here is, I am interviewing this person on a podcast. And I gave the, their website and I said, can you come back and, and can you tell me what questions, some of the questions I might ask this person. It like went a research to, assistant. This person's wow. website and actually came back with a ton of information that it just got by looking at the website. Sure, you can give it a URL and say, you know, um, tell me about this company or tell me about this this person that I might be interviewing with. Um, and it will try to come back with information from the website, from the URL that you gave it. All right, so. let's let's circle back to the resume cover letter thing. Um, mm -hmm. Michael or Lynn, do do you have a good understanding of how resumes and cover letters are being filtered through AI? How they, um, you know, are they just programming? Hey, look for these certain phrases, words. H how does that actually work? And are there things that we know of now to sort of cheat the system a little bit? Mm -hmm. I guess it would depend on the the industry that you're interested in and the company itself. Um, there are certainly um, systems out there that filter and you don't really know the algorithm they're using, but I guess, um, you know, maybe the chat bot would have information about that. Maybe Bing chat would have information about how these these resumes are being filtered um you know i i'm not sure about that but you're right this that that is important because a lot of times nowadays resumes are being uh filtered by ai going so, back going back to lynn's original thing that she mentioned and to answer your question directly anthony no i don't have any specific information related to how ai is used to filter out people's applications or to filter out resumes but going back or uh, cover letters but going back to what lynn was talking about and and it's about the prompting and and doing a little bit of research to know what is it uh, that you're looking for so uh, i don't see why a user couldn't start doing a little bit of research into how does the applicant track system workday filter out applications prior to those applications hitting the recruiter's desk and maybe oh. that is doing some googling maybe that is asking a chat ai but getting familiar with the platform how how does the applicant tracking system adp uh, leverage ai to filter out applications for mm -hmm. recruiters and going in with that information could give you a better experience for for applying for a position because one of the things that i know bing will do it will, you can tell it which company you plan, would like to work for. And you can ask it information about that company. You can say, tell me about the culture of, you know, whichever company. And then what's nice about the, the chatbots is that you can have an ongoing conversation. That's what's really cool about. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're not just, it's not like a search engine where you just, typing in keywords and getting, you know, they're coming back with tons of links that you have to click on. This is like you are having a conversation with the computer, with the chat bot. And you can keep asking questions based on 
the output that it gives. Um, yeah, I had a really interesting conversation uh, a couple of days ago in in, in research, getting ready for the show. Um, mm -hmm. And I fed it my resume and we started talking back and forth. Now, mind you, um, I, I started playing around giving it false information as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had said that I had done two years at Parsons School of Design. I also played baseball, et cetera, et cetera. And I really did play baseball. And so at one point in the conversation, it was it was directing me towards Nike that I would enjoy designing sneakers. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering, you know, if you feed all of the same information to the same, let's say, bang, um, mm -hmm. you know, two days later, are you going to get the same exact resume and cover letter back? Boy, that is a fascinating question because I know that, Microsoft, which owns Bing, they're always changing, you know, the algorithms, they're always changing how these things work. And so maybe if they tweak it in some fashion, you might get something completely different. That's a very good question. And I, I don't have the answer. I mean, um, but another thing you might try to doing is using different chatbots, right? I mean, you could use Bing, you could use mm, and compare the information. Um, and and get try to get different um, you know perspectives from the different bots. Um, the only and you thing can I tweak would... it also by asking it you know different ways of of writing the resume uh, you know different focuses of the resume yep. and get a couple of different resumes and or cover letters and use the best of let's say you just had to do it three times pull the best and then put your own personal voice onto it so yep. it's yours and theirs but more yours. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I always think it's it's like chat, uh, the chatbots or AI. It's like a hammer and a nail. A hammer and a nail doesn't build a house. It helps build a house. But there's a lot more that goes into building a house than just a hammer and a nail. And I think when it comes to using um, AI, it's the same way. You can't, you know, I know some people just think they can just press a button and it's like magic it's not you have to do some work as well and that's just really important um yeah so i'm gonna so, segue into asking folks to start raising hands and in clubhouse letting um uh letting lucy know that you'd like to speak um and i'm gonna ask the four panelists when sitting down and going to create a resume, create a, a couple letter, it doesn't matter what the job posting is specifically, but what are the, what are the couple of things that you um, tell yourself that you set up? What, what are you setting up, setting yourself up for success before you actually type that first word? Let's, let's go back to Katie and Lori first. So I think, again, for me, when I'm writing a resume or cover letter, I really, I, I really study the job description that I'm for which I'm applying. And I really kind of break that down into maybe the job description has sections or, again, those those keywords. And so I really try to kind of in my mind, build my cover letter around that. So um, if, you know, if the job is talking about, um you know, experience in digital accessibility, for example, I would, you know, make sure I high, you know, spend, you know, put a paragraph about that or, you know, communications, that might be a second paragraph or, and then my opening and closing and, you know, that's my cover letter. So 
you know, really, I, I really do a lot of reading of the job description um, and, you know, studying that and kind of picking out the high points of, of that description and building my my paragraph structure for my cover letter around that and then making any adaptations that I might want uh, for my resume for that as well. Before we go to Lori, Katie, I'm curious, um, do you make yourself a, a cheat sheet or or a like pre-interview, um, you know, matching what you've done in your previous experience, et cetera, to, you know, um, commonly ask, do you give, do you set yourself up with, with a cheat sheet? I never have done that. I've always been more of a, um, I guess, think on my feet person in the sense of, you know, I know myself, best of all. And so I feel like, you know, I can, um, maybe it's because of the experiences I've had or just my, my personality that I'm, you know, well adapted to kind of answer those questions about, you know, tell me a time when, or can you explain, or, you know, those sorts of things where I can really draw on my experience um, that, that I have. So I, I don't typically do that kind of prep work for an interview. My interview prep work is more knowing about the company, uh, making sure that I that I am aware of their mission. If you know, if the mission of the company, especially if it revolves around you know any keywords in the job posting, that kind of thing, really matching those those types of of words and phrases so that I can sprinkle them in throughout my interview. So, um, you know, oh, this position wants someone who can communicate with clients or has experience in the field of blindness or vision. Well, you know, I clearly have that not only based on my work history but also um, you know, almost 39 years of personal lived experience, right? So, so I can, you know, really draw those, but, but again, it goes back to studying the company, studying the, the position description for which I'm applying and, um, matching, matching that way. So I, I don't do a written, I guess, cheat sheet, I guess I, I do probably have some things that, you know, kind of sucked away in my, in my brain. Um, but, but I really try to focus on, the company and the position for which I'm applying and, and matching my skills to their needs. How about you, Lori, when sitting down to create a resume, cover letter, et cetera, are there any go-tos that Katie hasn't mentioned that, that work for you? I really try to make sure that my bullet points in my resume and any statements in my cover letter clarify anything that could be confusing. Um, for example, I worked at Catholic Charities. My job title when I worked at Catholic Charities meant nothing, would mean nothing to anybody unless you worked at a Catholic, at that particular Catholic charity. So I try to <clears throat> do my best to describe um, in my bullet points as concisely as possible how my skills would transfer to a job that I'm applying for. So just really matching those words. Is so essential. I know there's, I know there's no standard answer to a lot of these questions, but as an overall, are employers still looking at sort of like the special skills um, or, or the other parts about you that aren't necessarily experienced job experience related? It really depends on the employer. Um, you know, it, it, I think, um, and it depends on what you're applying for. If you have personal lived experience and you're as a person who's blind or low vision, I'm more likely to disclose that when I'm applying for a job 
at an organization that may work with people who are blind or low vision. Um, you know, that is not something that I would disclose, say, to the federal government or something like that um, on a resume, um, unless I was applying for a job related to accessibility. So um, other skill sets, though, if you're applying for something maybe where you're teaching technology, but you in the past have or currently teach skiing or are a mentor for Big Boys, uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters Club. Those are things that you want to mention because it shows that you have people skills. Yeah. And, so it really you depends. Know, and so I'm going to I'm going to segue this to Michael and in, in thinking that's another thing that, um, you know, the bots can be used for looking up diversity, equity, inclusion of a company. How much uh, do they have their own foundation? Where are their charitable gifts going to? What do they have an employee, um, you know, donation uh, matching program? Do they have employee time off for for community service, et cetera? So first, Michael, um, anything that Lori and Katie haven't said as far as getting down and, and actually writing your resume cover letter and what about using the search engines and, and chatbots in that way? So my worst, worst thing that I have is a blank edit box. So uh, for <laughs> me, I, I am guilty of, I can sit here, look at drafts. I can look at, look at text edit, whatever I'm, I'm looking at. And if there's nothing there, I will put off what I need to do to write. So I think they covered it pretty well. Uh, but if you're using these AI tools or you're using other tools that can help with generating something to start with and then making it yours. For me personally, that makes it a lot easier. I know people that struggle with fixing, with going back and fixing things that's already been edited and stuff. Um, and and I like your thought of, of using AI to explore and investigate the opportunities the potential employer has, has given. Um, I, I recently have explored some alternative opportunities and uh one of the things that i struggled with again was that blank edit text so i i gave it the information i needed had it help me write a cover letter and then i pretty much destroyed everything it wrote on my cover letter and rewrote it myself but it gave me an idea of something to be able to write there and another good thing it could be also you know in your own interview prepping a lot of times, like Lynn was saying, she doesn't know how to sell herself in, in the best light. Sometimes we don't know how to describe in the best light or what the employer is looking for in language, the things that we know how to do. So that might be that might be an avenue to explore as well for folks out there like myself who are job seeking. Hey, you know, these are the things I know how to do. Tell me how to say it better. Mm -hmm. All right, Lynn, you're up and then we're going to start taking some hands. Sure. Okay, and I just want to say that one thing that's AI is great for and um, the Bing chat, especially is just having a conversation with the bot to say, can we talk about me? And the bot will be happy to do that. And you can talk about your goals. You can talk about what it is that you want um, and talk about your experiences, your, you know, anything. And then you could ask for ideas of companies based on your um, past experiences, based on your skills, you know, skill sets that you have. 
sort of have a have a brainstorming conversation with the bot. Mm. Um, and, and maybe then, ask and the bot then, to write a professional summary about me. Exactly. Um, just just kind yeah. of give. And and I think a lot of people don't like or are not good at talking about themselves. Um, and so I think this is this is a great way. And also you can bring back, you can bring up a conversation that you've had with the chat bot. You can bring it back up um, and add to it and things like that. So it, it's a great brainstorming system. It really, really is. Um, and then you can ask it to write something for you. It, and it would be a draft, of course, but it would kind of give you a sense of, okay, yeah, this is, these are my skills. These are my goals. And then we can ask the chat bot, which companies would you recommend based on this information that I might want to explore or look at? That's, that's, that's a great piece of advice because, you know, thinking about a lot of times we sit down and we go, I don't know where to start or yeah. I'm on, on indeed. And I'm on my 75th you know, profile here and nothing jumped out. I want all the jobs and yet nothing jumped out at me. And mm -hmm. like, this is the one for me. Yeah. Um, so, so that's it. That's great suggestions. All right, Mr. Ray, let's hey. see who would like to talk to our panel of experts. This has been very uh, interesting. Um, we have one hand at this point. Uh, others, if you want to raise your hands, get in the queue, that'd be great. Scott Marshall, you can unmute. Hello, everybody. Terrific presentation. Um, I just wanted to mention one resource that you may already be aware of. I sure was not until I just ran across it by accident while preparing for an ADA presentation. On July 26, the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission, which administers, as you know, Title I of the ADA, updated its guidance document entitled Visual Disabilities in the Workplace and the Americans with Disabilities Act. And this document hadn't been updated since I think about 2014 or even earlier. Might have been earlier, yeah. Yeah, have, did you, have you seen this thing, Lynn? Yes, this is Lori, yes, I have. Oh, Lori, hi, good, okay, that's great. Uh, I, I don't know about you, I, I thought it was quite well done and uh, worth reading. And what struck me and how they're going to implement this, and of course, this is a guidance document and not itself a regulation. Um, Correct. They did talk about uh, using algorithms and AI in a manner which might result in uh, discrimination on the basis of disability. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing they mentioned was, for example, if the employer is using an algorithm that might uh, disadvantage you as a person with a disability taking that employment test or completing a task like counting your keystrokes that were required to complete the job, for example, just one example, and I'm sure there's plenty of others, uh, they need to disclose that to you. Uh, and they need to provide another alternative uh, method of of testing that doesn't discriminate on the basis of disability. But all in all, I thought that the document that goes through everything, almost A to Z, from 
definition of disability to, uh, you know, asking for a reasonable accommodation, retention, all that stuff would be a absolute must read for anybody in the job market, particularly if you're applying to a larger uh, company, because you know darn well right that they will have seen this document. So where do we find it, Scott? It's, uh, I could uh, dig a link out uh, and send it to you. It's on the Equal Employment Opportunities Commission page, and it is entitled, and I think if you just search for the title, you'd even get it. It's called uh, Visual Disabilities in the Workplace and the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it was released on the 33rd anniversary of the ADA, uh, July 26th. Hmm, that's great. Thank you so much for that information. Sure. And finally, all this talk about AI, I, I've used it a lot myself, and I think it has incredible potential, and I couldn't agree with you more that we need to embrace it. But it also reminds me about what they told me in, in guide dog school with my first dog, um, Lucas Frank, I, I think it was, that said to me, you know, it's like the Russians. You've got to trust and verify. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks very much. And uh, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the program. Thank you, Scott, Absolutely. for bringing up that fantastic resource because it, it really is a well-written document. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to go uh, grab that so that we can embed that link in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Lucas Frank, Scott, just so you know, um, the last Sunday in September, Lucas will be on Sunday edition. So come back for that. All right, Ray, did any other hands go up? They have, no, they have not. And we don't have anybody in Clubhouse because Lucy's hand is not up. So uh, we have no hands at this point. All right, Michael Lynn, um, let's stay on AI. What are some fun things you've done with the with uh, chat Bing or, or some of the bots? <laughs> I can start there. I am somebody who is, I have a creative spark and I, this is what I would suggest is people, you know, try to go use a chat bot for just something fun and get used to how it works. And one of the things that it will do, it will write stories for you. Um, it can write poems for you, but you can tell it, you know, write a story about whatever, write a story about a sentient vacuum cleaner that um, you know, terrorizes a town or something. <laughs> and it will, it will come back and it will write a story. Now, sometimes the stories are ridiculous, um, but it's just fun. Um, but also I think one of my, one of my favorite things is just telling it how my day is going. Sometimes if I'm stressed out and I just want someone to listen, uh, it is a great listener. Bing Chat is an awesome listener. It doesn't always have the answers, but it's, again, a great way to bounce ideas off of a, a neutral, impartial uh, entity, I guess. Um, and it can, oh, and one of my favorite things to do with AI is to ask for pros and cons. You know, yeah. um, like when you're trying to make a decision, what are the, pro, you know, if you wanted to start a business, um, say I wanted to open an ice cream shop. What are the pros? You know, what would be the the good things? And then, you know, give me some ideas of what pitfalls I might encounter. 
it can help you. It can write marketing plans for you. It can write copy. Um, like um, I've asked it to write public service announcements for different things and it will, you know, water safety or whatever. It'll, you know, just go through and I don't know how, you know, it just uses all of its resources. And of course, like I said, Bing is my favorite. And I, as I've said many times, so Microsoft, you really should put some money in my bank account because. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Michael? I, and I do agree with you. I, I of, of the three that I've tried, I like being um, the best. How about you, Michael? So um if if I understand the question correctly, you're you're wondering how we've used GP or how we've used AI to be creative. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So I am working on a interestingly fun project uh, related to building my email list. If you know anything about business, the money is in the list, um, and that's what people are told quite regularly. And one of the things that I'm working on is a challenge. The five-day challenge teaching individuals how to get started with editing, their, launching their first podcast, including editing it, the equipment you need, and uh, three other items that I can't remember off the top of my head right now because I've been using ChatGPT to build it. But it's related to the prompt and uh, being able to put that prompt together to give it information. Yesterday, I spent a good 90 minutes uh, building out the structure of how I want that five-day challenge to be laid out. And then I, I told it, I said, perfect, here's my customer avatar. Can you help me build that avatar out? And ChatGPT helped me give her a name and we were able to uh, come up with a, a good demographics for that specific customer. Um, and it helped me with being able to write those emails that are going to go out to the customer when they subscribe to the mailing list. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. Like that, that's nice. But it's telling me to have them click on a link uh, to go listen to an audio or to go view a video. And honestly, right now, I don't feel like putting that together. So I came up with it and I said, all right, now write me a script for these videos. And it came up with a script for all of the videos. So I'm able to go in and uh we've been talking about text-based ai if i wanted to and this is this is what makes these things scary in my opinion if i wanted to uh, i can have chat gpt or a similar la large language model write the information for this challenge, give me the emails and then give me the scripts for the emails and then take those scripts, drop them into 11 labs, which if you attended the national conferencing convention uh, mm -hmm. or in person, you know, 11 labs, because that's the voice that read out a lot of the uh, information that needed to be read. So as you know, that's very natural sounding and it will even breathe. You can hear the breaths in it. So I yeah. take that script that GPT wrote for me. I drop it into 11 labs. And all of a sudden, in about, you know, 90 minutes to three hours or so, I built out a complete automated email sequence with video slash audio content that I didn't have to record myself, but I just used the tools that are available to me. That, I would say, right now is one of the more one of the more creative solutions that I have uh, used the GPT for uh, with, and I've also uh, used it to help me with, <laughs> I have a, a Mac and in live environments, it's very important to know how many seconds is it to the top of the minute. Uh, and so if it's 59 seconds, if it's uh, 50, 
10.59 and 32 seconds, you know that you have 28 seconds until the top of the minute, uh, which means that 28 seconds until it's time to go live. I did not find an immediate way to be able to get that information from Apple. I could get where we are in the minute, but then I have to do quick math in my head. And when you're in a live environment, you don't want to do that quick math. So I worked with GPT to be able to write an Apple script that will calculate how much time is left in the current minute and then subtract that amount of time from 60 because that'll give me the amount of seconds. And then I assign that to a keystroke. And now whenever I hit uh, the command and number nine on my numpad, it will tell me 42 seconds. And that's how many seconds are left until the next minute. And I could have spent days trying to figure out how to do that. But with uh, tools like AI, I think I did it in like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, tried a couple of times, didn't work, Uh, learned a little bit more about Apple script from asking GPT, hey, this isn't working. Are you sure it's this line? And then it's like, oh, no, you're right. It needs to be changed to this. And uh, that's probably the more creative thing. And now I can't live without that keystroke because I I was using a Mac before I set it up fully. I'm like, why is this not working? And it's because I hadn't assigned the keystroke for that uh, timer. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think it'll get, do you think it will morph into the products that we're used to using where, for instance, it would be able to create simple, create, respond, and send simple email uh, responses, answer questions, be able to pull a link, embed it in an email and send it, um, you know, just yes. through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's already uh, there. It's, it's already it there. Um, if you go, I, I won't name any companies right now, but if you go mm-hmm. to some companies and you interact with their chat bots, a lot of time you're interacting with AI. So if you ask it, hey, uh, what do I owe on my balance? And it might ask you to authenticate or what's my balance? And it might ask you to authenticate with the chat bot. And then it can pull that data from your customer profile to give you that information. Or if you ask it, hey, how do I do this with my headset? It will say, here's how you do it. By the way, here's the manual if you're interested in looking that up for yourself in the future. Yeah, that I, th- that kind of response I've gotten. Um, but, you know, what about automating our own personal things? You know, uh, for me, for Sunday edition, I get a lot. You know, I want to go back and get that. And I go to ACB Media, click on podcast, click on search through for July, whatever it was, whatever the date of the show was. Or I just go grab the link and email it back to them. Um, do you think we'll get to a place where we'll be able to use AI to automate that for us? Yes. I I, th- I think it's it's a matter of time right now before that's the process where you could simply just hit a keystroke um, and it grabs out those details and then put inserts those into the email based on the information that's already in that email. If you used gmail.com as a on the web, not in Outlook, not in, in mail, but on the web, and you look at, at the responses that are available for you to automatically and dynamically insert into an email as a reply, a lot of times it's already related to the content that's in the original message. Mm-hmm. So those right. replies make sense. Give it enough time. And those replies will, will be more like, oh, thanks for your email. Appreciate you reaching out and listening to Sunday edition. Here's a link to the episode you asked for. And if if that's the right one, again, we go back to fact checking. If that's the right link um, and you'll know from the way that the link structured, you just tap on that response, hit send, and you're good to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the things in 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 researching another position that I'm applying for, I I asked it to pull up successful 
marketing campaigns in a certain, um, you know, based on the job that I was looking for. Um, and it pulled, it pulled things from around the world. Um, and mm -hmm. it gave, you know, it, it gave me so much information to wade through. So then I started, you know, giving it key, you know, like, like, like Lynn was saying, the prompting, you know, keyword, okay, break it down this way, break it down that way. Um, you know, I, I, I can imagine that, God, if I had this when I was in school, forget yeah, it. You I know, know. I, was I think that all with. the time. If yes, I had this is... when I was in school, my, I, what I would have done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. Yes. Um, oh, and, and one, another thing that, that your bots can do, if you give it an article, if you give it a document, it can summarize as well. It's really great to have that ability. For example, yeah. if you, you had that that the document you were, you guys were just talking about. Um, you could have it feed that feed that in or the URL, and it will come back with a summary for you. Yeah, I'm using that a lot actually. So there's um there's a chat bot AI embedded in the Envision glasses. I'm not sure exactly how to uh, describe you know explain it but mm -hmm. um and it's giving it's getting the more i use it the more targeted and better i guess i'm i'm also asking for my information more succinctly um mm -hmm. but it's getting really good at pulling information and giving me what what i want when i ask um you know menus for example are are very easy okay what you know what are the chocolate desserts and it will list the three chocolate desserts um you know what entrees are you know under 20 bucks um you know, and, and mm -hmm. instead of having to go line by line and listen to the description of, you know, chicken polenta, et cetera, right. et cetera, you know, it pulls it, okay, I'm in the mood for lamb today, what, you know, or whatever. It, it, and, and the better you are at asking what you want, sort of like, and I always say this about Ira as well, you know, when you are giving them, when you're asking them for what you want, give them exactly, you know, as much information as succinctly as, as same thing with, with using, you know, the AI as well. The, the more targeted you give, the better information you get. Yep. And it takes practice. I mean, there, there is a whole new career now called, what do they call that? Um, prompt engineers. And these are people that supposedly are kind of like, they, they know the ins and outs and they know how to ask for stuff. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a career you might want to consider if you're really into using chat, you know, uh, AI systems. They call it prompt engineering, and it's I think it's paying pretty well right now. I don't know if Michael knows how much, but I think I think that's something that a lot of people um, are, you know, find to be important in different companies. Mm. Um, so yeah. Like the influencer, a career that if you had said that five years ago, you people would have been like, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And I guess the, the thing I want to tell people is I know that AI has some things about it that are scary. And yeah, I mean, I guess like anything else, you know, fire, right? I mean, fire is scary, but you can also cook with it, right? So I, I guess what I'm saying is that, yes, we have to think about the impact that AI is going to have on our society. 
it's something that we have to have a conversation about as a species or whatever. But I want people to look beyond that and see the um, utility that we can use as blind folks, but not just blind folks, just anyone out there. Um, I guess what I want to say is not to be afraid of it, to understand it and realize it's not some kind of magic. It's not, you know, like a sentient being. It's, it's just working with a computer system. All right. So Katie Lori, I'm going to ask, do you guys have any questions you want to ask Michael or Lynn? This is Katie. I do. Um, we are actually going to be working on a post, a blog, um, probably a series of blogs <laughs> based on today's conversation mm -hmm. around this topic. Um, awesome. So wondering if I might be able to reach out to the two of you, um, Michael and Lynn, to talk kind of about your AI experiences. Um, because I, I do think we want to address it from the blind, blind and low vision perspective. And um, so wondering if you could briefly touch on, I know we've mentioned, you know, you mentioned a couple of, you know, chat GPT, um, Bing, Google mm -hmm. Bard, um, maybe just, you know, briefly, I know we don't have a lot of time left, but even talking about the, you know, accessibility pieces and how, how one can maybe access some of these um, systems, because I think that's, you know, we, you know, I see the power in this. I've not personally used it, but I've seen it in use and it's, it's cool and I'm excited, but you know, how do I, where do I go? How do I get started if I want to learn more? Right. Um, let's see. Well, I like, okay, as I said, Bing, chat GPT is another, um, Michael might be able to, you know, respond a little bit more there. Um, and Bing is a free system it does use advertising so you are going to encounter some advertising i use the app um and what i typically do is i'll start by doing um i have the search widget on my home screen so i'll search for something um i'll just ask a question and then i will hit on the bottom of the screen there's a there's a a tab that that says um chat and when you hit that, it will generate a summary of all of that search stuff. And then it will give you some possible questions that you might ask um, sort of to build on that. Or you can, you can, there's a text box on the bottom of the screen where you can ask it more questions. Um, you can get more specific about, um, like for example, I asked it the other day, what, um, how, why is it that my cookies keep coming out really hard I, or crispy? I want soft cookies. So it gave me a recipe, but it also explained, um, the, you know, scientifically why sometimes you have, um, the crispy cookies and how to change your recipe or change how you're baking so that you get the kind of cookies you want. And I just thought that was so cool. You know, um, so I would, I, let's see, maybe Anthony could talk about how to get started. I, I use the Bing app. I, I use the Bing app too. I have the okay. chat GBT app as well. Um, I have right. used Bing on the Mac itself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I like the app. Yeah, you know, like LinkedIn. Um, it, not that it's it, it, it's just more um, streamlined. The yeah. the text box, the it's all right on the bottom of the screen. You swipe through the summaries of where it's pulling the information from. Like uh, like Lynn just said, you can click on one of the questions that it produces for you, and then it'll generate the answer along with more mm-hmm. questions you can ask. Um, the the app is just it is so very user friendly. Um, ChatGPT, the app I did not use as much, um, but also the app itself is is quite easy to use. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. 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 But you just have to remember that with chat GPT, you're not going to get web search. So you're going to get. You're just going to get conversational slash summaries. Yeah. And and whatever information it gives you, unless it's like a recipe or something that you just have to be aware that it it's trained on information up until what, 2021. So you can't ask like current events questions and things like that because it doesn't it doesn't go out to the web. Like you mentioned, oh, go ahead, and then I'll ask mine. Um, You mentioned earlier, Lynn, about going back to previous conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, I have not done that yet. Um, Where where are the previous conversations kept in the Bing app? Uh, There's a thing that says chat history. And it's at the top left corner somewhere. Yeah, top left corner of the screen. It'll say... I have probably swiped it 10 times and never even realized I was that... You know what I mean? Like some things yeah. are in your head. Mm-hmm. You hear it. You process it for a second. It's gone. Yep. I have to yep. go back and yep. play with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Michael. Yeah. So what I was going to say is on the Mac, Mac GPT is a great tool to be able to interact with chat GPT. Um, and, and that's available on the Mac. I learned yesterday, however, that apparently for windows users, there is an NVDA add on for GPT too. So if you're interested in that, then that might be a good solution. Um, I interact with, uh, GPT specifically using Mac GPT, but I also have no problem with going to, uh, chat.openai.com to be able to interact with chat GPT on the web. They used, and some people may be like, I don't understand what you're talking about, Lynn. It, it says that if I pay them $20, then I can search. No, that's not true anymore. No. They used to have direct Bing integration with chat GPT, uh, but they have removed that for some undisclosed reason right. i'm not quite sure exactly what that is but i'm sure i can come up with some reason for why they removed it um and then if you are interested and you have access um if you're not using google workspace because your google workspace administrator needs to enable it so if you just have a regular gmail account you can go to bard b-a-r-d.google.com to interact with google's large language model yeah and 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 i think that maybe bard is one of those um, sort of underdogs. It's sort of the, the thing that maybe um, I have tried to use it and I haven't had great success, but it's always changing. You know, these things yeah. are always, always yeah. changing. So, you you know, you ha- I wouldn't give up on a chat bot that didn't seem to be give you good information at first because they're always tweaking it. And I know that Google is super you know, into tweaking it and trying to get, make its product better. So yeah, keep trying these different ones. And yeah, um, I haven't used Bard too, um, too much. 
um, mm-hmm. and, uh, as well as Claude. But the first time I used Claude, uh, ugh, didn't like it. It, it was annoying. <laughs> um, went back a couple months later, uh, like two weeks ago, actually. And it is it is definitely a lot more fluid. Um, mm-hmm. And they also have, it's not right there, like in the, the way chat thing is, but you can get, you can, I uh, think there's a, you press a, uh, you know, there's a form button. And then it will tell you where it's, you can get where it's pulling its information from too. And unfortunately Um, uh, with Claude and with many of these chat bots, some of them are starting to charge. And what happens if you don't pay for, they have a free um, thing, but a lot of times you'll get capacity messages, right? You'll be, it'll be like, sorry, we're, you know, it's busy or whatever. And they want you to obviously pay. Um, Claude, I think, I, I saw an article yesterday that said it was going to start charging like 50 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month. And when I saw that, I had to do a double take because I went back. Wow. I thought my screen reader, is it saying 15 or you know how that sometimes you. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. So wow. I, I think that's the unfortunate part is that they get us hooked on these things and then they start charging. <laughs> but. Uh, any follow-up is- questions, Katie? Well, I think, I mean, this is all really interesting, but, um, you know, again, I think these are things to think about as we move forward with AI. It's, you know, um, the uses of it now versus where is it going? And I think that's something we need to look at in terms of, um, you know, how do we make sure that we have access to it like everyone else and, you know, keep that access going? Um mm-hmm. I think but, a lot of that's yeah. going to happen in the education space. Um, there is a mm-hmm. lot of conversation about AI in the education space. And I think they're going to come, yes. they're going to lead, you know, these kinds of conversations. So Katie, Lurie, it's about eight minutes on- to the hour, Anthony, just, just to yes. let you know. So Katie, Lurie, refresh us on the webinars that are coming up and anything else you want to tell us about APH connect center. Please tell me I got it right this time. You got it. <laughs> you you got did. It. So um, Lori, if you want to talk about the webinars, and I'll just do a website plug at the end. How's that? Sure. Um, so, yes, in September, we have two webinars on in the careers area. Um, we have on September 7th, we have <clears throat> um, an interview with Russell Schaefer from Disability Inn. Um, and on September 14th, I'll be discussing resume writing with Barbara McCleave. In October, on October 12th, I will be interviewing a name that's familiar to many, uh, Ron Brooks, and we will be discussing his uh, jobs in the area of disability and transportation and the various jobs that he's held as a person who's blind or low vision. In November, I will be interviewing Fitzville Martin, who's an award-winning audio production producer out of New York uh, who is blind and uh, that should be a really good and fun interview and in December on December 7th I will be interviewing a uh, Brian whose last name escapes me right now and he's a New York State board certified uh, psychiatrist um, recent fairly recent graduate within the last couple of years um, so those are just some areas. If anybody is interested in getting in touch with me to be 
a participant on career conversations to discuss uh, their career um, and being blind or low vision. Uh, you can email connectcenter at aph.org. And that is a perfect segue to tell you to check mm -hmm. out our website or ask your AI to do that. Um, that website is www.aphconnectcenter.org. And again, there you'll find information about the webinars that Lori talked about, as well as our, our blogs that we have. We'll have posts coming up about um, you know more career-focused content as well as um, we're looking at putting out our post on our first post on AI in mid-November. So um, stay tuned for that. We're also putting together a um, gift giving webinar for the holiday season. So that's in the works as well. So um, check check the website often. We, we put new content up uh, multiple times a week. So there's always new, uh, new content to see up there on aphconnectcenter.org. And if you if you are in the job seeking mode, play, go through the website. There's a there's a lot of great stuff on there. And, you know, it might be refreshing yourself or sparking sort of like playing with the with the chatbots themselves. It might spark ideas in you that you hadn't thought about. There's a lot of great stuff on the website. So, you know, dig a, do, do a, deep, a deep dive on it. All right, Michael Lynn, how about the unmute family um, of, of offerings? What do you guys have coming up? Well, we're, we're actually um, going to be really expanding and changing our um, the way that we do stuff. So um, Michael might be able to say more about that, but we have lots of offerings. Uh, I do a podcast called Friday Finds, and it's a very short podcast, about 20 minutes. And it just has some things that I find to be interesting in the tech space. And um, I, we have lots of other, lots and lots of content on unmute. So I think Michael could probably be more. One thing I wanted to add real quick is when it comes to chat bots, you may, you're, you may have to sign up. You have to create an account. Yes. Um, okay. I didn't mention that, but it's, it's something that they, they will want you to do that. So. And I see we're coming up on the top of the hour, Anthony. I'll make this super quick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern, ACB Community and ACB Media 5. We have a live technology Q&A call that's also republished on Unmute Presents podcast mm -hmm. feed. Wednesdays, we host the Shell Phone Show, giving you some details about the Blind Shell Classic 2 and how you can be able to interact with that and do different tasks. And then this Thursday, we're bringing the founder of Echobatics, a app that you can use to point at touchscreen devices, and it will track your hand and let read to you what's under your finger. A uh, quick glimpse into that. My favorite feature nice. is while using their assistant to make their assistant stop listening to you, it makes you be polite and you have to use the word please to end your conversation. Wow. Okay. I'll be there for <laughs> wow. that for sure. All right. So folks, I want to definitely say a big thank you to Katie and Lori, Michael and Lynn. Michael and Lynn, who basically stepped in almost last minute. Uh, we were supposed to have Peter and another expert here, but other things, you know, think life happens. So we'll have Peter Alchel back at some point in the near future. Uh, Michael Lynn, thank you for for stepping in last minute and, and making this a great conversation. 
Uh, next week on Sunday edition, I will be featuring various community calls. Uh, Herbie will be here. Kayla Allen will be here. Sheila will be here. Sheila Young. Um, and if you are out there and want to talk about your call or generate some interest for your call, or you're thinking about a call that you have not started yet, this would be a great show to come and be a part of. Um, Friday night, again, um, your song, your story behind the music, 8 p.m. Next Wednesday night at 8 p.m. is our book chat. We're reading A Swiftly Tilting Planet by Madeline Lingle. And uh, Ray, Herbie, you guys have anything you want to shout out before we say goodbye? Great conversation. I it, This is just, uh, I, I just think that the AI especially, I think it's got great potential for accessibility, uh, which is certainly the space I work in. So uh, very interesting. But um, yeah, it didn't have much work for me today, but uh, glad to sit and listen in anyway. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Herbie. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, everybody out in Clubhouse and everybody out in ACB Media Land. We'll be back next Sunday with another great show. Thanks, right. everybody. You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream One. That's American Council of the Blind Media or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays, and you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday Edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.